What's up guys? On this episode, I help somebody who has inherited a new property. I help somebody who is a first time home buyer get over the whole crazy process. And then I also help somebody decide whether they should buy a single family or a multifamily investment property. Let's get into it. As 10 years old, I've said to me, son, it's a truly lucky man who knows what he wants to do in this world. Cause that man will never work a day in his life. But there are a few, precious few, and hell, I don't know if they're lucky or not, but there are a few people who find something they have to do. Some obsesses, something that they can't do it, it's going to drive them clean out of their mind. Dang it, dude. Doesn't that fire you up? Just a little bit or something? I don't know. It fires me up a little bit. I heard a stat that 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode three. And of that 10% that do, 90% of that group don't make it past episode 19. So here I am, episode 29. I am officially a part of the Champions Club. Your words, not mine. So no big deal on that. I'm not stopping anytime soon. If you can put both of my shoulders on the ground, I'll stop doing this podcast, but that's about the only thing that's going to stop me right now. So good luck. Um, all right. Now that I'm down to only one listener, welcome back to the Evergreen Real Estate Q&A podcast. I'm your host, Jake Myers. I've got a couple of good questions today. Um, real estate market has been heating up a little bit. It's more and more and more that that low price bracket is still going pretty quick. We've got a couple deals in my local area that are going, you know, things under 300,000 are going in just a couple days. So haven't seen that in a while. Even stuff that you look at and don't even think is an incredible deal. They're going pretty dang quick. So, um, you know, I don't know. Things are breaking loose a little bit. Got to be ready. When the time comes, don't be scared. That's the biggest thing right now. Everyone's kind of wondering what to do. Everyone's just playing the big guessing game where if you're into real estate, if you're dedicated and you are passionate about it, then jump in and get off the sidelines, in my opinion. I don't know what you're waiting for. If you're waiting for interest rates to go back down to 2%, if you're, I don't know what's going on, but there's a lot of people out there on the sidelines that are afraid to buy a house right now. Um, like I said on the last episode, I, if interest rates go up, you've got a good rate. If they go down, you can refinance and get a better rate. I think it's time to get off the sidelines. I don't know. So that's just my two cents on the subject. I've got podcast hats made. DM me on Instagram. I'm giving them away for free. Literally just send me your address and I will ship you a hat. Unless you think that's too creepy, then don't send me your address. I don't know. doesn't matter to me. But if you want a free hat, no strings attached, let me know. And I am giving those things away to spread the word about this thing. My Instagram is at Jake Myers, J-A-K-E-M-I-R-E-S. So hit me up on there or find me somewhere else and I will hook you up. Anyway, I'm going to get right into these couple questions that I've got here. First question is, I'm a first time home buyer and feeling overwhelmed by the process. What advice do you have for someone just starting out in their home search? 
man, my advice, if you are just starting out in your home search and you're feeling overwhelmed, is to just make sure that you have a good agent and um, your foundation is good, the financing, your job, all of that, because those are the factors that can go sideways when you're purchasing a house. Um, don't go out and buy anything crazy. Just stay where you are and make sure that the financing that you have is solid. Um, understand what you're pre-approved at and what you can afford. Don't max that amount out is typically what I will recommend. Um, but if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's probably because of all the million different factors of things that can happen and things that can go sideways. And it just can be hard to kind of figure everything out. There's a lot of moving parts that happen when you buy a house. So my, my first suggestion would be get the financial foundation down, get everything solid, get your whole situation dialed so that you don't have to worry about falling out of escrow later or having to find something else because you don't know, you put in an offer on a house that you couldn't necessarily afford, but you're kind of in it now and you want it really bad, but you can't afford it. So get that financial base dialed so that can eliminate some of those factors that come with buying a house. You don't want to have any of that financial guesswork going on. You want to be solid going into the transaction so that you know on your end that you can 100% close it. So once you get through that kind of financing situation and you're pre-approved and you've got all of that dialed, all the other factors, you just have to sit and wait for them to come. There will be little things coming up on your inspections. There'll be little like problems and things with the transaction that will happen. I've, I've never done a transaction where everything is exactly smooth and, and plain and simple, even on vacant land. There's always some things you didn't see or some factors that you're not considering or, you know, some oversights you had one way or another. Um, so if you are feeling overwhelmed, there's nothing wrong with just taking a step back and looking at all the factors there's only so many things that you can control in the home buying process, right? It's pretty much like which house you buy, which agent you have, what mortgage lender you have, and then you've got to figure the rest out as you go. And there's only so much you can do on the front end. So the one thing I will say is the real estate, on the real estate agent side, it's hard to pick an agent if you don't have a strong relationship with one already, or you've got friends or family that have recommended one to you or something like that, it can be tough. So a lot of people go out and go to the busiest agent that has the most commercials and all this stuff. And while that can be a good agent, um, a lot of times that I've seen, it's just the person who has the most money to put into marketing or cares the most about marketing. A lot of good, high producing agents are not the ones that are the loudest. They're just the busiest. They're spending their time handling the customers and doing things like that. So the, the biggest, baddest agent can be sometimes not the best agent because they don't have actually take the time and have the energy to deal with you. They have all these random assistants and all these things. So when you're looking for a good agent, if you're listing your house um, and you choose the biggest agent, you really just want to make sure that they're going to pick up the phone. They price the house right. And in this day and age, the, the whole fact that real estate agents exist was because you would go from brokerage to brokerage, they'd have little stores and you would see what listings they had. And if they had a listing that you liked, you could buy that house from that person. 
Now, as a buyer's agent, or even as just a buyer, you can go on Zillow, you can go on the MLS, and you can look at every single house that's for sale in your area. You don't need an agent really to do any of that stuff. So the the responsibility of the agent is to just watch your back, make sure that the whole transaction is handled, that you're making the best decision and they can look out those, you know, look out for those things that you could possibly miss or be open to liability on. So my thing is because I've done multiple transactions, I can see things that you wouldn't normally see. Um, I've been through all these funky, crazy situations. So I've learned all these lessons that come from buying a bunch of houses. So I can see those things before they become a problem or, you know, you close a house and it's like, oh, the agent didn't check out the HVAC to see how, you know, this works, this or whatever, or the fire insurance. No one checked on that because they don't know the areas that well. They don't know that it's in the floodplain until we're in escrow and then flood insurance is super expensive. All these things. That's why you want an agent to to have your back. So a lot of people will see the commercial, they'll call the guy or girl on the commercial and they'll start working with them. But a lot of times you're not working with them. You're working with a team of people that hopefully can give you the time of day. It's nice if you can find an agent in the middle, right? You don't want an agent who does zero deals a year because they don't have that experience and that knowledge to help you through that transaction. Um, and in some cases, in my opinion, you don't want the busiest agent because they don't pick up the phone. They don't answer the emails. They don't like they're, you're just kind of a transaction and they're blowing out because they have this machine with assistance and a building and all of this stuff that they have to pay for. So they've got to get you in and out. You want someone in the middle who has the time and the energy to take you on as a client and really have the knowledge because they've done the transactions. They have that experience, but they have the time because they don't work with a million buyers. I've looked at properties out of state, worked with real estate agents who are very busy and they have multiple clients offering on the same property. Now for me, that puts me in a tough situation. So if I'm a buyer's agent and I'm super busy, I have a ton of clients and let's just say I have five people that are looking for a house under 400,000 above 300,000. I've got five clients that are in that zone. I'm going to be looking at the same houses with the same five people. And if I want to put an offer in on the property and another one of their clients wants to put an offer in on the property, that becomes this kind of sticky gray area of like, if you have the fiduciary duty to take care of me as a client and look out for my best interests, but you know that I'm asking you to write an offer for 350 and your other client is asking you to write an offer for 375 all cash. Are you going to tell me, Hey, we shouldn't write this offer because I have another buyer who's offering at 375 all cash. Like you won't get this house. Or do they just let me think that I maybe have a shot when they know hundred percent I don't. And I just waste my own time running and doing the analysis on the deal. I want as an agent, I want my agent to fight for me against all the other offers and all the other agents and vouch for me. I don't know if an agent can truly, truly vouch for me as a buyer if they're working with five other people like me in that same price range. So that's why I like that person in the middle ground. Like they're they can fight like they they've got maybe one or two, three people they're working with. Um and they don't take a bunch of clients in the same price category that just muddies the water. And like, for me, I don't want to deal with that interpersonal communication wise. Like I want to first come first serve. I will take care of you. I will find you this house. 
um, you know, and I'm dedicated to you and I'm going to fight any other agent or any other offer that I can to get you in this property if that's really what you want. I don't think that an agent that has multiple people interested in that can do that. Um, so that's, there's things to consider like that when you're picking an agent. Um, I really think same with my mortgage lender, you've got to just pick up the phone and spend the time with me and, and be able to answer the questions. Now, if I'm calling you every single day at 745 at night, when you're trying to hang out with your kids and I'm asking you a bunch of stupid real estate questions, then I get why you could get frustrated. Maybe not answer your phone, whatever, kick me out as a client. But if I had valid concerns and questions or need some commentary on a, per, on a property that I'm looking at or whatever, um, I expect you to answer the phone and being able to help me out um, during normal, fair business hours. So for me, that's what's important in an agent is the knowledge and that time and just the dedication to you as a client. So if you are a first time home buyer and you're feeling kind of overwhelmed, you've got to make sure that the people that are on your side helping you buy this property are out for your best interests. They know what they're doing and they can take 100% care of you um, if something goes sideways and they can answer all of your questions to keep you at bay. I've had clients myself that you know, have our, have the first kind of buying experience. I remember I sold a couple of duplex and the wife had some really, you know, big anxiety about the whole situation. The market was kind of crazy. This was like five years ago, which I'm sure they are very, very excited now about that decision. But she had a lot of anxiety about the situation. It was a duplex. It was going to be their first house like to purchase. And then it was also going to be their first rental. So it was just a lot for them. And, um, it just took a ton of time and a ton of like information I had to kind of give to her to make her feel more comfortable with the purchase. And it just takes extra time. And like from, from a home buyer myself, I can understand that this is a massive decision, especially as aside from just buying a house, buying a house and then also renting out the unit next to you and being a landlord for the first time can be a big like a big deal in your life. And there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things to worry about. You've got risk exposed. You've got things that can happen and, and things you need to take care of. So like you've got to be able to take that extra time and understand the concerns because they are valid and then talk through them and make sure that that person is comfortable with the decision. And, um, you know, that's the whole point is you've got to have somebody who can talk you through it. And if you are overwhelmed, don't be afraid to ask questions and try and understand the process as good as you can schedule as many meetings or whatever with the agent as you want. Just get through the process because, um, doing the work on the front end is a lot better than trying to figure it out on the back end after you already own the house of man, should I do the siding? Is this okay? Is this like get all your inspections, take care of all that stuff because it can turn into a mess if you don't do all of your due diligence on the front end. And it's, incredibly important to have someone else on your side, like a good agent, um, and lender just to kind of bounce some ideas off of talk about the property. And, um, you know, you've also got to be careful, like I said, picking an agent there, there's people, especially right now, there's not a million deals out there. There's not a million buyers. So agents are pushy. I've seen some interesting, uh, communication between, um, myself and some listing agents that are trying to get offers on deals that are kind of desperate. Like I need to, I have to get this one done. Like this is, I, this one's got to go by this month. Like they have bills, they have, this is their life. So 
when you have an agent that's possibly in a desperate situation that like this is their entire livelihood, this is what they have to have this deal go through. I would not put it past some agents to put those priorities over some of that, you know, home buying due diligence. And is this really a good deal or are you kind of spinning it to make it seem like something that it's not to get this deal done? I'm not saying that anyone in particular does that, but that is a factor when, when humans and people are desperate to feed their family and do their, you know, this is a crazy market right now. So that's all I'm saying. Just make sure that you can kind of read through the lines and understand that your agent is out for your best interest. And um, just in my opinion, the the best defense for this home buying process and to feel as comfortable as you possibly can is just getting as much knowledge on the subject as you can. Don't rely on your agent for everything because they are steering you in a certain direction or they're kind of like over you as a client and they just want to get you a house bought so that they can move along and get their check, whatever that is, then, you know, that's not a, that's not an agent that you need to work with. So you've got to be able to see through those lines and kind of understand enough to be dangerous during the transaction. So knowledge is power in this business as a whole. So learn as much as you can spend that time on the front end, and then you won't have as many factors to be nervous about when you are buying your first property. It is kind of an overwhelming process. There's a lot of documents and things to sign and stuff to look at and joint tenant, this, that, what does it all even mean? Who knows? But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. So have someone on your side that's got your back. That's all I'm saying. That was a extremely long way of saying when you're buying a house, have someone on your side that's going to take care of you. And, uh, that's all you need. So next question. I recently inherited a property and am unsure what to do with it. Should I rent it out, sell it, or consider any other options? So this is a very unique situation and I don't have all the facts on the case, but what I would say is obviously it just depends on what your situation is. Um, I don't know this person well enough to be able to kind of know the situation offhand without more context. But what I would say is if you don't already own a house, I would use this as an opportunity to get yourself a primary residence. Um, and if you do already own a house, I would just look at what the property is, what it would rent for and what money you could bring in from that and kind of what um, insurance policy you could create with this property to help you in your financial future. So just to throw out some random options, if it's a $300,000 house and it would rent for $1,500, I would sell it and use that $250,000 that you would net to buy an investment property that cash flows more money. Um, but if it's a $300,000 house in a primo prime location, that's going to rent for, you know, 3000 ish or anywhere close to that. And you can bring in some good cash flow after the taxes and insurance are paid. Then I would, uh, I would probably do that and just rent it out and let that appreciation keep going. Um, so there's just a ton of factors here to unpack and consider when, when buying, um, or sorry, when inheriting a property, but, um, and I guess I should say, I'm very sorry for your loss. It's, uh, never a good situation. 
um, to deal with this. And it can be a lot of emotions and family and things involved. So uh, this can be very tough logistically to figure out and especially in a time of heartache to try and get all this stuff done. So um, I would say even to a certain degree, if there's a mortgage on it, if you've got a big debt service that you have to do, the option for me would probably be to sell it, pay off that mortgage, and then get yourself in a better financial situation or financial foundation to be able to buy something um, else and just kind of let the dust settle and make a move after after that. I wouldn't be trying to use this situation as an opportunity to become a millionaire necessarily. I would just make sure that I was taken care of and use this house to set up myself financially. And if it can turn into a good investment and help you and your family be more successful and have a little bit more financial stability, then that's great. But um, since the house was inherited, there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, I would probably I would probably just look at what the return is. I'm I'm a big numbers guy. So like I said, if if this cash flows and you're looking at the equity, you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars in equity, you want to get, in my opinion, like 15% return at least. Um, and if you can get that based on that equity, and this isn't going to, because you don't have any cash in the deal, um, this is going to be strictly return on equity money. So if you've got $100,000 worth of equity in the property, you want to make about $1,200 a month. That's just off the top of my head, roughly a 15% uh, gross return on that equity. You'll have expenses, vacancies, CapEx, you'll have insurance and all that stuff to pay for as well if the house is paid off. But um, that's kind of what you're going to want to look for. So if you've got a bunch of equity and you're not going to get a bunch of cash flow out of it, sell the property, deploy that money into something else that's going to bring you more cash to be able to uh, make some make some more deals with. And if you do want to be a landowner and a, a landlord, then yeah, I mean, you could even do a HELOC, pull equity out of it, buy another property with that. Just be very careful leveraging it um, too much. You don't want to expose you and the family to a uh, difficult situation where you've got a bunch of mortgages and a bunch of debt out there and, and you can't service that debt in case people move out and there's a flood or things happen. So I would definitely use this as an opportunity to keep my family a little bit more safe and financially stable rather than try and make a crazy risky move off of this to, you know, create a ton of wealth. I would, I would stick it a little bit closer to the chest and, um, you know, just make sure that you're protected and, and you make a good decision and get a, get a fair, good return. But, I wouldn't do any crazy, crazy leveraging plays on this one. I would just kind of see what makes the most sense. And if you can sell it, take the cash and pay off your personal house that you're in now or pay some cars off, get some debt down and and uh, take care of yourself that way, I would probably move in that direction if it were me. But there's just so many factors that go into this that um, it's tough to, tough to kind of get through. Um, all right, let's get on to the next question here. I'm interested in purchasing an investment property, but not sure if I should go with a single family home or a multi-unit building. What factors should I consider when making this decision? Factors to consider when you're making this decision are simply, do you want, you know, three units, four units, 
four different tenants, four different lease agreements, four different utility payments, all these different things to deal with? Or do you just want to buy a single house and and have it be done? Um, if you were someone who was really interested in real estate and wanted to go for it, then I would get a multi-unit property if that was an option for you. If your plan would be to buy a single family and then keep buying single families, I wouldn't go that route. I would just buy a multifamily property. Um, I wouldn't buy many different single families. Although the appreciation can be better, the renting can be a little bit better. Um, I just kind of like it all in that zone. Uh, if you have the if you have the ability to go multi-unit. It sounds like if you're even considering it that you would probably like to do that or want to do that. Um, but things to consider when you're going to switch it up like this are just your goals. That's all you have to consider. Um, you're going to get usually more cash flow from multi-unit properties and then a little bit more appreciation on single family properties. Um, when crap hits the fan, typically people like to see be in houses. They don't like to be in apartments. Um, if that's an option. So, you know, it really just depends on what your goals are. Um, there's not a ton of context here, but I would say, um, my vote would be multi-unit. If you have the ability to do that, um, I, I wouldn't go single family unless you had a really nice option in a killer location that cash flowed like a beast. Usually you're going to get more cash flow in the multi-unit building. And then also, you know, you're going to get that appreciation, but you can raise rents. You can do, you can get a little bit trickier with multi-units to create more cash flow like that. So if your goals are month, you know, every month you want more cash coming in, I would go multifamily. But if your goals were, I don't really need the cash flow right now. I want a strong, stable asset that's going to appreciate and kind of be a little bit more simple to deal with, then I would go single family. Uh, but like I said, if you're going to buy this single family home and then next year buy another single family or and the next year do it over and over, usually the trajectory is people will buy a few single families, sell everything at one point, and then buy a multifamily property. Um, it's just easier to deal with one larger property than it is to deal with seven smaller properties in seven different locations with seven HVAC systems, seven property tax bills, seven insurance bills. There's just a lot more to deal with. So, you know, that's it. Just comes down to goals. If you want to kind of go big or go home, go multi-unit. If you want to keep it a little closer to the chest, a little bit, if you're a little bit more risk adverse, I would just start with that single family. You can always sell it later. If you make some, you know, I'm sure you'll make a little money on it. And if it's not right for you, you could sell it and buy that multi-unit later. There's no right or wrong way to do this thing. There's just different ways to do it. So um, like I said, just all goal oriented and uh, best of luck to you on that. Like I said, send me a message on Instagram at Jake Myers and I will hook you up with a free hat. That's all I got for you guys today. So until next time, keep investing.